Hey, it's Latif from Radio Lab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radio Lab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Bit of Americana now. There's nothing more American than our national parks, right? As part of our exploration of favorite parks and historical monuments to explore this summer around America, we thought we would look at the stories each one of the big national parks tells about America's relationship with its landscape, with its wilderness, and with its original native inhabitants. That version of the national anthem you're hearing comes from one of the many Ken Burns films about America, its institutions and history, this track from his baseball series. But Ken Burns is here on the program to talk about his experience making the Emmy Award-winning documentary, The National Parks, America's Best Idea. It's a great idea to have Ken on the program. Ken, welcome back. Thanks for having me, John. It's great to talk to you. What stories do these parks tell that Americans really need to hold on to in these days? Well, I think they tell the most essential parts of us. You know, we have a kind of theoretical uh, version of liberty and idea of ourselves as we engage constantly our political discourse. And, and, and we are connected to that. And that's, of course, a hugely important thing. But the parks, for all practical purposes, at least as we felt as we spent 10 years exploring this subject uh, to produce the documentary, are nothing less than the Declaration of Independence Mm. applied to the landscape for the first time in human history. The first time in human history. Land was set aside not for kings or noblemen or the very rich, but for everybody and all time. It could have only happened in a place that had trusted uh, four score and eight years before uh, to allow people to um, govern themselves. And so wherever you go and scratching the surface of American history, you come up against these twin polarities, it seems to me. One is of race, that is to say the monumental hypocrisy inherited at our founding when we could articulate that all men are created equal, but the guy who writes that sentence owns more than 200 human beings and sets in motion a very destabled relationship uh, to the question of race, but also this notion that we have this continental nation, which we, for the first time in human history, are also going to move around in. Most people spent generations, centuries, millennia in one spot, more or less unable to move. And here we were suddenly with mobility, and part of Manifest Destiny is this sort of voracious hunger to chew up scenery, and here we were saying, no, let's set aside some of the most beautiful places for everybody and for all time. And that sense of co-ownership of that land sort of folds back on ourselves in both a large uh, political way, that is to say, the sense of us as as a people, but also in an intimate way. As we stand on the Grand Canyon, it matters very much whose hand we're holding and the kind of intimate bonds we forge with those we see the parks with. So it's an incredibly complicated dynamic that, of course, has nothing to do with the gobbledygook I just said. It has to do with going, oh, my God, that's the most beautiful place I've ever seen. Well, you're, you're on to something, Bernsey. Let me just say, I think that's very beautifully said. And one of the great things about, you know, the National Parks, America's Best Idea, is when you look at the history of the parks, you know, we think of the Park Service and the whole park idea as a vaguely environmental movement. But really, in the 1800s and the early 1900s, this was America running to the Pacific coast, doing the manifest destiny thing, and suddenly realizing when they got there, oh, my goodness, 
we're about to lose everything we fought for here. And that included the Indians. That included, you know, the Grand Canyon. It included the wilderness. And that bittersweet sense of, oh, my gosh, it's almost gone is where all these parks come from. That's a lot of competing interests are going on. So you get to the to the continent and you go, yikes, what's the new frontier? And we've discovered many, many others, of course. But, you know, Manifest Destiny says that you look at a beautiful stand of, of timber and you think board feet. And you look at a river and you think, damn. And you look at a beautiful canyon and you wonder, gee, I wonder what mineral wealth is in there. And so it takes an incredible amount of courage to stop that and say, geez, couldn't there be some places that could remind us of this rapture that we felt when we first entered this area? Now, this area was not foreign land to many people, 300 nations within the political borders of the continental United States who called it home, who understood it, who in many cases had creation myths and huge uh, spiritual significance attached to these places we were saving, had left evidence of thousands of years of their civilization. So that bitter sweetness just sort of rolls on and on. But we're also beginning to discover a kind of an American catechism in nature that it's going to be more easily, God is going to be found more easily, not in cathedrals made by stone and man's hand, but in cathedrals made by God in nature. And so what we find is a new American religion coming parallel to our mm. our political mm. freedoms that is, is Emersonian and Thoreau and later John, Mew, John Muir, who is a scientist and a kind of spiritualist who are articulating a particular brand of American religion that has to do with us being dwarfed within nature and we didn't have a cathedral to offer up that was part of the grand tour that Europe had, but what we had were these spectacular places that could awaken in the individual a sense both of his insignificance, but in that strange paradoxical way that the parks work, one's bigness connected mm. to the larger picture, just as the egotist in our midst is diminished by his or her self-regard. Well, Ken, I want to give people a sense of some of the custodians in these cathedrals that you're talking about, which really come out of your uh, National Park documentary. Um, we're going to hear two voices here, and then I want you to tell me a little bit about them. Nevada Barr, a former park ranger, one of the custodians, people you're going to see if you go to a park or, you know, people like them, or Shelton Johnson, also a, a park ranger. First, we're going to hear from Nevada Barr. The parks are always where I can go home again. I go back to my hometown there is a Safeway where I used to play with Sylvia Gonzalez. They have taken and turned my old school into a junk shop, but the parks don't do that. So these are places we can always go home, and paradoxically, that we can always see into the future and hope for the better things. When we look at parks, and we look at the United States, and we examine the whole idea of democracy, I think that the park experience is an exploration of the idea of freedom. Where, where do I come from? Where am I going? How did I get here? How did we as a people get here? I think that when people go to a national park, they get a sense, a compass to history. Two selections there from the National Parks America's Best Idea, uh, written and directed by Ken Burns. It's his uh, documentary, Shelton Johnson there and Nevada Bar. These are, you know, Yogi Bear style park rangers, and they sound like philosophers, Ken. Well, this is what the parks do. They perform a kind of open heart surgery that permits the, you know, these 
you know, government employees uh, to be poets. And that's exactly what contact with these places permits us all to do, is reconnect with the past, uh, and, and not just an American past. And I might point out that our parks have gone on from spectacular natural scenery to include parts of, uh, of the most difficult aspects of our past, slave uh, cabins as well as beautiful plantations, uh, Central High School in Little Rock, Arkansas, which is still a working inner-city high school, which, you know, where the crisis of desegregation came to a, a tipping point in the 1950s, uh, Shanksville, PA, uh, and the heroic efforts of United Flight 93 on September 11th. All of these are National Park Service sites that we're saying we can talk about our history, but our, then our history extends geologically, and, and Shelton can talk about the Buffalo Soldiers, the African-American cavalry members who were the park's first custodians in the late 19th century. But Nevada really hits it on the head. She's just saying, what is it... Um, in our environment that provides some constancy. And another way of saying it is, where would we be without the parks? You know, Yosemite and, and Zion would be gated communities. The Grand Canyon's uh, rims would be filled only with mansions for the rich. The Everglades would be drained and be an endless series of golf courses and shopping centers and, and developments. Uh, they almost pulled that be, off. They almost pulled yeah, that off in the Everglades. They almost pulled that off. And, and Yellowstone would be, you know, some sort of dingy place called Geyser World. Um, but they're not. They are jewels that have brought, like, siren calls, Americans of every generation, and they also have been an emblem to the rest of the world. We've now been copied everywhere, and more than 200 co countries have created more than 4,000 individual national parks, as our several hundred uh, parks and, and other units have led the way. So I think it, what you find in these two so-called ordinary park rangers, not just the extraordinary, they do stand out but also an amazing sense of what our birthright is. And think of it, if we're co-owners of this place, all we have to do every once in a while is get up, bring the kids, check out our property, make sure it's being taken care of, and then put it in our will for our posterity. That's a pretty good bargain. Let's As, by it. the way, our writer, Dayton Duncan, I am uh, merely the producer and director, and Dayton Duncan was the producer and uh, writer of this series. All right, Ken Burns, director and producer of Emmy Award-winning documentary, The National Parks, America's Best Idea. Get out this summer. See one of them. Ken, thanks so much. My pleasure. Thanks. You can tell us about your favorite national park at our website, thetakeaway.org. I'm Celeste Headley. And I'm John Hockenberry. This is The Takeaway.